0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why am I not starting with the World Series, especially since the Atlanta Braves didn't choke. They finished. They look great. Why? Because I want to get into the NFL trade deadline. Why don't we talk about who was not dealt, who was not dealt yesterday? Why don't we start with Jordan Love? So why am I bringing that up? Why am I talking about Jordan Love not moving and not some other big-name guys at the NFL trade deadline? I bring it up because it was something that Charles Robinson and I talked about on the show after the Packers beat the Cards on Thursday night. Courtesy of Aaron Rodgers taking a shell of an offense and finding a way to get it done. Aaron Rodgers taking a shell of an offense and beating the last remaining undefeated team. So in that case, if you trade love, this is the conversation that Charles Robinson and I had. If you move love, then that's the front office showing that it's committed to Aaron Rodgers for the foreseeable future. That they were not going to get rid of an MVP-level Rodgers at the end of the season. He won the award last year. He's playing like it again this year. Trading love would have also meant, though, that they would not have him to play in Kansas City on Sunday. Why is that a thing? Why does that matter? Why do they need this guy all of a sudden when Aaron Rodgers is playing so well? Because Aaron Rodgers is not playing Sunday. And the reason he's not playing Sunday, according to reports, he has tested positive for COVID. So he's going to miss that game Sunday. You know, so when I see this this morning, my first reaction honestly is, holy crap. Like, I'll be real with you. I'm shocked. I'm surprised. Now, I know I shouldn't be. We really should not be surprised by anybody testing positive for COVID. It shouldn't be breaking news that somebody tests positive for COVID during a pandemic that has infected millions, that has killed nearly three quarters of a million people. Except for some reason, for some reason, I'm still really surprised that it's Aaron Rodgers. I'm surprised that he tested positive, and I'm surprised that he's going to miss a game on Sunday. And part of the reason that I'm surprised is this tweet from Ian Rappaport. Quote, Packers QB Aaron Rodgers is unvaccinated. Per me and Mike Garofalo, that's why he's out for Sunday versus the Chiefs. End of quote. All right, so this is when things get dicey. This is when it gets weird. So they're both saying that he's not vaccinated. Remember back in August, Rogers was asked if he had been vaccinated, and here's how he responded.
1: Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized.
0: Yes, I've been immunized. So at that time, everybody took that to mean that he had been vaccinated. But if you listen closely, he didn't say that he had been vaccinated. He says, quote, yeah, I have been immunized.
1: Yeah, I've been immunized.
0: So once again, at that time, it seemed like everybody took that to mean that he was vaccinated. Maybe he's not. Maybe those two things are not one and the same. Maybe he's being careful with his word choice. And certainly in the eyes of the league, it's nowhere near close to being vaccinated. The league does not have an option for claiming that you are naturally immunized or that you're immunized because you had the infection prior it's kind of binary in fact it is binary it's one or the other you're either vaccinated or you're not so first things first he's out of the game against Kansas City you think that might change up how you see the matchup does that influence your thinking on that game at all yeah i'd say probably so right it does it should rogers beat the cardinals in arizona without three of his top receiving threats but Even as much as Casey is struggling, can Green Bay beat Kansas City without Rodgers? All right, so that's point number one. Point number two, again, is his vaccination status. I think you all know this is an enormous Aaron Rodgers house. Has been literally since the day he got in the NFL. I mean, I love the guy. I've got immense respect for the guy as a person and as a player. You know, I've enjoyed every conversation I've ever had with Aaron Rodgers over the years. I absolutely appreciate and respect the fact that he's always given us access. He's always come on this show. But here is the other thing. His vaccination status really should not be in doubt. The team should know what the status is, and he should be following the appropriate protocol for his status. Rappaport also tweeted, quote, my understanding is that Aaron Rodgers has been following protocols for unvaccinated players while inside the building. And quote, Jonathan Jones tweeted, quote, if Rodgers is unvaccinated, he's been breaking NFL, NFLPA protocols all season long his vaccination status should be known to the Packers and thus the league, and he should have been fined fairly regularly. It doesn't appear he has been. End of quote. So I guess what I'm saying is his status as it relates to a vaccination is not clear. And then again, my question would be, how is it not clear? How is his status not totally clear? If he's not vaccinated... I know that he's not the only player in the league, and he wouldn't be the only quarterback in the league who chose not to get vaccinated. But to me, again, it's a really hard choice to defend, especially if you're a leader and a quarterback. And if he's not vaccinated, has he been following protocols away from the facility? Like, the Packers were already dealing with Devontae Adams testing positive. He missed last week's game due to COVID. Alan Lazard missed it as a close contact. The team was already without D coordinator Joe Barry due to COVID. Then earlier this week, backup QB, Kurt Banker tested positive. And now Aaron Rodgers is positive as well. The team that's won seven straight is now down to two quarterbacks. And the Packers have to be worried about an outbreak. Look what's going on there. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. And this is not an original thought, but availability is your best ability. And you have to do everything you can to be available for your team. If you're vaccinated, I'm going to be very clear about this. I'm not sure whether he is or isn't. I'm not sure whether he is or isn't. He answered the question back then by saying, I'm immunized. Being immunized is not the same thing as being vaccinated. Maybe he is. But these two are reporting that he's not. So if you're vaccinated and you test positive as a breakthrough case, that'll happen. It does. It sucks. But it does happen. But that would mean you did everything you could to prevent it from happening. Everything in your power. You got vaccinated. You still got the virus. It sucks. It happens. But if you're not vaccinated and you test positive and you miss a game, or you miss games, that's different. That's not the result of doing everything possible to be available for your team. So again, I'm not sure whether he's vaccinated or not, but it matters. And I do know that it is a personal choice. It is, and then it's not. We've covered this, but it is, but it's not. Because it's a personal choice that has public ramifications. And not just for the team, but for the public. You know, guys like Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson took a ton of heat for choosing not to be vaccinated when that was known. So if Aaron Rodgers is not vaccinated, he's fair game for that too. I've got to talk to you about the most amazing product, my ex-chair. My ex-chair is insane. I mean, it's incredible. I never actually look forward to getting to the office to sit in my office chair until I got my ex-chair. As an example, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. And it's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. I'm talking crazy technology with my X chair. And once you feel the customized support of X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Take my advice, try X chair for yourself. Risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Trust that. Go to xchairrome.com. That is the letter X chair. R O M E dot com or call one eight four 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 X Chair for one hundred bucks off your order. X Chair has a thirty day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as thirty dollars a month. That's XCHAIRROME.com, X dot com. He is Will Brinson. Will, what's going on? How are you?
2: Uh, Jim, I'm a little I'm I'm feeling great, man. I hope you're doing well. My Atlanta Braves. First time since 95. First championship for any one of my teams, I think, since uh, since 95 as well. So I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling pretty well.
0: My man, I know so. you are. And the thing is, Will, I was going to start there. I swear I was. And I was until I saw the story break about Aaron Rodgers. So let me start right there. And you right. have my word. I will get back to your Atlanta Braves. But what was your reaction when you heard the news that Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID and that he's going to miss Sunday's game against the Chiefs?
2: Well, no, and, and look, there's way too much NFL news to, to worry about the Braves. I'm not worried about that at all, Jim. The Rodgers thing came out, you know, again, today's Wednesday, right? If this were a Thursday night football like we have with Devontae Adams, no surprise that Aaron Rodgers would miss time. Um, but it turns out he's not vaccinated, which is kind of a huge deal because we, the general public, had, were led to believe that Aaron Rodgers, because he said at a press conference when asked if he was vaccinated, I'm immunized. Uh, Maybe I mispronounced. He 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 said it. He said anyway. He sort of led us to believe he was vaccinated. And this is not about the vaccine. This is not about your belief about the or anyone's belief about uh, COVID in general. This is about um, you know a quarterback who now because of this this close contact or this positive test or whatever it was is going to miss ten days of football. You know this is why people. We talked about this, Jim, before the season. You know. If there was a quarterback who was unvaccinated, it would change our approach to betting on using our betting our money, someone's money, betting on a, a specific NFL teams. And now it's actually, I believe uh, Rob Demosky of ESPN is reporting that Aaron Rodgers actually petitioned the NFL for an alternate uh, treatment to the COVID 19 vaccine before the season, which is kind of wild. And it, it, you know, look. The Packers were plus three before Monday Night Football when the Chiefs and the Giants played. Coming into into Week Nine's uh, game against in Kansas City, they went to minus one after Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs looked terrible. And now they are plus six or plus seven, depending on where you're finding it. One of the wilder swings you'll ever see in terms of line movement involving two elite teams.
0: I, I don't know, Will that there's ever been a more wild swing between two teams. That's incredible, because I saw the same thing. They started at four, right, or at three, yep. and then went to one, and I haven't seen it lately, but you just said six or seven. So there are the betting ramifications, and then there are the playing ramifications. And then back to your original point, that when it came up initially, when he was asked if he had been vac- vaccinated, he said I've been immunized. So uh, the NFL knew. The NFL has considered him unvaccinated. My question is why why did nobody else seem to know how did the public not know like a number of other quarterbacks and players who chose not to be vaccinated took a lot of heat how weird is it that his status vaccination status was not
2: publicly known it's crazy because i mean we've seen these guys like carson Wentz on the sidelines wearing a mask right carson Wentz at press conferences wearing a mask He's he's not vaccinated, and we know that, and that that's his choice. You know, Kirk Cousins came out and said that <clears throat> excuse me that he wasn't you know he wasn't vaccinated. We've seen him following the protocols required for unvaccinated players, and I, I mean I don't want to I don't want to speak in generalities, but I I personally feel like watching Aaron Rodgers, and I've watched him plenty this year, right? We all have that. I, I don't recall seeing him on the sidelines in a mask, and I and I I mean and again like I, I'm not. He mass shaming or anything like that. I'm I'm just saying, you know, if we we've been using these protocols and these guidelines from the NFL to determine who is and who isn't vaccinated for purposes of, uh, you know, just for purposes of knowledge and for purposes of wagering, for purposes of fantasy football, for all these different things, for you know, for for you know, people rooting for their teams. And so, like, I wonder, has he been? If the NFL knew the whole time that he wasn't vaccinated, has he been flaunting the policy? Has he been? Allowed to skirt the policy. Uh, you know, w- w- how did this play out? And will there be future repercussions for Aaron Rodgers? Uh, for not following the policy or for uh, you know for not adhering to the, the protocols that the NFL set out
0: I think this is all fair I think everything you just said is fair like what I want to know is is he vaccinated and if he's not vaccinated did he follow the protocols and if he did not follow the protocols why not and one last thought you know neither you nor I are doctors but they already had issues in that building right they were already without Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard and Joe Barry I mean are we talking about the possibility of an outbreak now
2: I mean, maybe so, right? I mean, Dev- I mean, Devontae Adams should be cleared. I think, I think Devontae, cause Devontae Adams was vaccinated. Alan Lazard was not. And, and I mean, again, the NFL, it, this is, it is all about the rules that are put in place. I always think back to Bill Belichick, you know, it's like he's not, Bill Belichick doesn't worry about changing the rules. He wants to, he wants to know what the rules are so he can play by them and rub up against the, like, and, and rub against the edge of the rules and, and follow them to the best of his ability, uh, within, within the guidelines, right? So. Alan Lazard not vaccinated, which means, in theory, if Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers were in close contact with each other after Lazard was cleared, Lazard might have to go back on the COVID, you know, the COVID list. Uh, you know, vaccinated guys could take two tests in a row and be ruled, uh, be ruled out to, you know, be ruled to be cleared, right? Two within 24 hours, one of each other. Uh, but unvaccinated guys in that building would still be, uh, you know, under the protocol could be another 10 days added on to what they already missed, even if there was a previous uh, COVID-19 lift appearance. So, yes, absolutely. If there are multiple unvaccinated guys who are in, who are in close contact with Aaron Rodgers then you absolutely could be talking about an outbreak.
0: For a team that's won seven in a row, one of the best teams in the NFL right now, one of the best stories, and now things are changing dramatically, Will Brinson, my guest. All right, well, if that were the only story today in the NFL, that'd be one thing, but there's also the Odell Beckham Jr. situation in Cleveland and the fact that the team, Will told him not to practice today. What does that tell you about where things are right now and where does that leave them?
2: They couldn't trade him, I don't think, Jim, because of his salary the the amount that was remaining on his salary and because their depth chart frankly isn't that great at wide receiver I mean Jarvis Landry Donovan's people Jones I mean it it gets it gets pretty thin pretty quick Rashad Higgins you know they need Odell Beckham they want Odell Beckham to be good they want him to be the guy that they traded first round you know first round pick for first round picks for they they want him to be Odell Beckham and at the same time, you know, if you're Baker Mayfield or you're anyone else in in that locker room or in that front office or on that coaching staff, and you see what Odell Beckham's dad posted on Instagram, which is such a, it is, I mean, 2021 in a, you know, in a nutshell, or you know, like we're worried about what OBJ's dad is writing on Instagram or like posting film on Instagram. What a what a life we lead now. Um, you know, you see that, and it's not like this is. Some random person who put these clips together and is insulting him from a Browns fan account. It's it's his dad. I mean, very clearly, if his dad thinks it's a problem, he and Odell Beckham have been talking about this. I mean, we know how this works, right? So if you're the Browns, you're Baker Mayfield, you're anybody on that offense, it makes you wonder. Like, all right, man, are, are you trying to are you trying to win a Super Bowl? Are you trying to you know are you trying to like help America's new team get through? you know, 20 years of misery and get back-to-back playoff appearances? Or are you trying to pad your stats? Because it looks like you want to pad your stats. It looks like you're way more concerned about OBJ than you are about the Cleveland Browns. And that becomes a pretty big problem if you're someone in that front office or that coaching staff.
0: Yeah, padding stats and, or, I just don't want to be here. I mean, very clearly... Dad does not knock out an 11-minute video without the blessing of his son. Like, that didn't just happen. Now, I'm not saying that Odell Beckham Jr. is the only one to blame here. Far from it. But, Will, like, when that deal went down, I thought to myself, this is unbelievable. What a great acquisition. This is the guy to put them over the top. This is brilliant. It's been anything but. You could probably point to a number of reasons why that is. But if you had to try to boil it down, why hasn't it worked
2: out for him there? Well, I mean, it's it's I think it's a complex situation, right? One, the injuries have been a problem. Two, it's so weird that he and Baker Mayfield can't get on the same page. I mean, the stats and the splits, Jim, are are very clear. I mean, it's very clear that, and it feels like a small sample size thing. But the offense is worse when Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham are on the field together. And then, you know, I think there's a, a third layer to this, which is that you know Kevin Stefanski offense is not conducive to Airing it out, he wants to run the ball. He wants to run play action. You know, he wants to take you know sh- shots down the field, but not tons of them. A- at the same time, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins ran that offense in Minnesota with Stefanski. We saw his volume was way down, sub his only sub four thousand yard passing season of the last, uh, I think, seven years. But you know, there's still enough passes to, to maintain a you know, the volume needed for a-, a number one wide receiver to to put up stats, and so it. it- I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's this blend of injuries, chemistry and the offense. And for whatever reason, Odell and, and Baker just cannot get on the same page. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I thought that Odell would take him over the top as well. You know, getting him you know, from the giants, you felt like you'd see Odell, you know, the, the one-handed catch guy, the guy who set, you know, was 12 game pace or you know, 16 game pace as a rookie was going to put up monster numbers. And he just hadn't delivered. It is—it's it, it's wild to see how quickly he fell from stardom to just complete irrelevance.
0: I agree with you on both those points. I don't know why he and Beck, Baker can't get on the same page. I don't get that at all, but they're not on the same page. And number two, Odell is not the player that he once was. The question is, can he still be that guy? Like, Can he get healthy and go someplace else and once again be that guy? But he's not that guy right now. Before you go, Will, let me ask you about Vaughn Miller. For instance, do you think that the Rams, quote, needed him, and then how do you think he fits in that defense?
2: So, um, they probably didn't quote unquote need him. I mean, they're a really good team and a really good defense without him. But yeah, I thought that uh, I thought Mina Kimes of ESPN made a great point on uh, NFL Live. I think it was uh, earlier this week. If you look at and look at look look at what's happened to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, these teams are rushing four and they're dropping. You know, they're playing this too high too, too high safety shell that's forcing quarterbacks to be patient and to take their time, and it, it really frustrates a lot of these young, aggressive quarterbacks. It frustrates veteran quarterbacks. You want to push the ball down the field. The, the Rams have been blitzing a ton this season. They, they're a blitz-happy team. They realized, looking at their defense and looking at the quarterbacks they're going to have to face in the playoffs, whether it's Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers on the NFC side of things, or maybe – you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, whoever it is, you know, I mean just who, you know, anyone, name any of these good quarterbacks, they they are not gonna be able to blitz and take out these teams. They needed to add a pass rusher to be able to rush with four and to drop guys back and not, you know, set themselves up to be vulnerable to these deep shots with quarterbacks who are good against the blitz. And, you know, when you trade for Matthew Stafford this all season you make this big move, you know, you, you splashy play by Sean McVay. It's, it's worked out. Matthew Stafford looks awesome. Five to one to win the MVP right now at Caesars. Why not push your chips all in? You know, it, you've got a healthy Stafford season halfway through the year. You've got an offense that's cooking. You have a defense that's really good with a couple superstars. Add one more that puts you over the top. And I would say that, you know, second or third round pick, that's a lot to give up for a rental for, for nine games. But if you, even if they make the Super Bowl. To me, it's justified. And, and so I like the move by the Rams. Certainly, it's not cheap. But, I mean, you know, they haven't they they had a first round. Their last first round draft pick was Jared Goff. So it's not like this team is used to scouting and drafting a whole lot on, uh, in, in April and May anyway.
0: They don't give a damn. They don't care about draft picks at right. all. They don't care about draft picks, Will, as you know. And, by the way, it works. It's working out. They've already been to the Super Bowl. They could have won. They've got a great look at another one. I, I love the move myself. They don't care about draft picks when everybody else does. Now, I did promise you we would talk about your Atlanta Braves. So before you go, where would you rank the Jorge Soler home run among your all-time favorite memories for that organization?
2: Man, it's up there. Uh, I was texting with my dad. He's got a uh, – we have uh, – this is a very, like we, – we, he, he got a sweatshirt made – uh, back in uh, back in from the '92 AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution headline when uh, old Sid Bream deadlegged it out to beat Barry Bonds and throw home on that. I think it was Francisco Cabrera on the pinch hit. Uh, that that's probably n- number one, like like favorite non-title moment. But that Jorge Soler bomb. Uh, my wife had walked downstairs and I'm like running through the kitchen and the, and the living room, fist pumping and, and screaming uh, uh, random things. It, it, it's, it's up there, man. I mean, he, he hit that thing. I think it landed two hours later in Dallas. I mean, that, that, that thing knocked the thing knocked the train to the moon. A, an all-time Braves moment and the, the fact that they held on uh, it, it pretty pretty nice win. Pretty pretty nice win.
0: It was a Titanic shot, but I'm not sure that anything. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's been a long time. It used to be a main staple of this show. But the fact that Barry, as great as Barry was, could not throw out Sid Breen <laughs> from deep short and in fact bounced it like five times before home plate is something I will never forget. So that was a great moment. He is a CBS Sports Senior writer. He's a front of the program. He is host of the Pick 6 podcast. He is Will Brinson. Will, appreciate it so much, man. Great to have you back. Thank you. Anytime, Jim. See you, man. Will Brinson. So let me ask you something, and you tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that allows you to catch the game live, and then another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's dad's mom's login for all the good stuff. Yet let me tell you a better way, a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the very best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, so I mentioned there is an update on Henry Ruggs. Adam Schefter tweets. Chief Deputy District Attorney Eric Bauman. Setting court today that former Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs was traveling at 156 miles per hour before the car crash that left a 23-year-old woman dead, and Ruggs's blood alcohol level was more than twice the legal limit. Caitlin Newberg, a court reporter for the Vegas Review Journal, tweets. Prosecutor Eric Bauman said Ruggs was traveling at 156 miles per hour about two seconds before the crash. He was at 127 when airbags deployed. So then, reportedly, he slams into a car and seconds prior to was traveling 156 miles per hour. And then at the time of the collision, when airbags deployed, 127. So the victim was in the car, and that car caught fire. The victim and her dog, reportedly. I mean, it's... it's, the absolute stuff of nightmares. It is one of the worst things ever. It's one of the worst things ever because it's preventable. Imagine how horrific this is for the family of the victim. This guy's behavior is so beyond dangerous and so beyond reckless. Never has it been okay. But never more so is there absolutely no excuse for that to happen. No explanation. Nothing that can be said. We've said this so many times before here. DUI is never okay. Ever, ever, ever for any reason. But it's never been more preventable than it is right now. And the fact that this guy did this allegedly goes so far beyond reprehensible, tragic, infuriating, because it's preventable. It's easily preventable. It's so easy to not put yourself in that position. It is all so reckless and so careless and so negligent. It ended somebody's life. You know, and from an attention and scrutiny standpoint, I'm not going to say that he's going to skate, but it's not going to get nearly the attention that it should because of Aaron Rodgers, because of Odell Beckham, because of the NFL trade deadline. But now this guy's got to live with this. Not only did he allegedly was allegedly responsible for the death of somebody else for the death of somebody else, for something that was totally preventable, that should have never happened. And now he has to live with this for the rest of his life. So he took one life, and then his life will be changed forever. Because according to Nevada law, if you're convicted of DUI, and there is a death involved, the minimum is two years, and he could be looking at 20. And I'm no judge, I'm no prosecutor, But I'm guessing that if the car was going 156 seconds before and 127 on impact, that's going to influence how much time he spends on the other side. I mean, it's infuriating. There's not a single reason that that should ever, ever, ever happen. Ever. Not with all the ride sources. Not when it's so easy to get somebody else to get you home safely. And then to hear how that ended. You knew it was bad, right? If she's parked and he slams into her and that car catches fire and she dies in a fiery wreck, you knew something really bad happened. And now come to find out that he was traveling at 156 miles per hour just prior to that collision. It's horrific and it's infuriating. Terrible. one 800 If you want to weigh in on this, go ahead. And then you've got the other things around the NFL. And like I said, this is not going to get nearly the attention it deserves because of these other things around the NFL. But I want to make sure that I'm really emphatic about that. That is a horrific story. And if those reports are true even worse than I thought. So if you're anything like me, your weekend plans include kicking back and watching live sports. And it doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It is always better to have a little bit of action. Personally, I've got my Week 9 eye on the game between Green Bay and Kansas City. This is why I'm going to recommend downloading the WinBet app right now. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager, from straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic prop wager you can come up with. The app is so easy to use. Everybody knows that Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines, join in on the action. This is why I'm going to recommend once again that you download that WinBet app right now. Download the WinBet app on Google Play or in the Apple App Store and put yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We are joined by Caleb Plant. Caleb, it's great to have you on. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, Jens. Appreciate you having me. Dude, so good to have you.
0: So good to have you. So it's Wednesday of fight week. We're a few days out from you stepping into the ring against Canelo Alvarez for the undisputed super middleweight title. What's it like midweek? How are you doing? How did camp go? And how are things going for you right now?
1: Well, camp's going great. Um, like you said, just a couple of days away. Weight's good. My energy's good. Feeling good. Just relax. And, um, you know, we had the press conference today. So uh, when I'm feeling good, I'm ready to go.
0: All right. So you mentioned the press conference today. Let me ask you, Caleb, about the press conference last month. Things got a little bit chippy there. There was some shoving. There were some punches thrown. What happened there? And if you had to read Canelo's mindset, what did that tell you about where he was at?
1: Um, I mean, just it started off normal, you know, pre-fight banter. I'm gonna beat you. Normal beat you, and us just, you know, agreeing to disagree on uh, who's better than who. And, and then, you know, it just picked up from there, and you know, but I think people are making a bigger deal out of it than what it is. I mean, that's happened a million times in boxing before us, and it's gonna happen a million times more. You know, it's um, there's a lot at stake, and you know, sometimes with uh, stuff like that, you know, tempers are gonna flare. So um, but you know, I don't know. We we haven't seen them act like that very often, so you know, I feel like something about me, you know, has him acting different. I don't know.
0: Caleb Plant joining us. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, like the the fact that there was some. Um Pushing and shoving. That's not unusual, man. That happens all the time. But the reaction to it, like he said that you called him an MF-er and that's why he shoved you. I mean, like, dude, you tell me I'm wrong, but does that not happen And like at every presser, every weigh-in? Yeah, it's, it yeah, seems exactly like the reaction like is unusual.
1: Yeah, yeah. The reaction was unusual considering, yeah. you know, what was being said. I mean, like I said, just normal pre-fight banter, like, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you, mother effer, mother effer. And I mean, uh, this ain't little league baseball, so I mean, if if he's looking to be you know, people that just come in and talk nice to him you know, he's got he's to go to Little League Baseball or something like
0: that. Got a big fight coming up this weekend. Alvarez v. Plant, once again, that's for the Undisputed Super Middleweight Championship. It's live on Showtime on Saturday. Caleb Plant, the champ, is joining us right now. I know you're looking ahead. If I can get you to look back for one minute, you're coming off that win over Caleb Truax in February. It's a fight that you dominated both offensively and defensively. What did you make of your performance that night?
1: Um, you know, it, it wasn't my best performance. Um, you know, I've had better performances, uh, previous to that, but you know, with, um, COVID going on, there was no fans. we were fighting in an in- empty auditorium and it was almost like a, it was worse than a sparring match, you know, honestly, as far as the energy in the room. And, you know, some fighters are gym fighters. They perform best when no one's looking. And then, you know, you have prize fighters who who perform best when the lights are on and the crowd is either booing or cheering. And it's a big moment. And I've always performed best under the biggest moments. And so, Not only that, you know, I hurt my hand in the fifth round and with there being no crowd, you know, less adrenaline. You can feel injuries more if you got cut or if you had a hand injury. So I was feeling the hand injury quite a bit throughout the fight. And um, but, you know, no excuses. I won every round and I dominated. So, you know, but there won't be a lack of that this fight. You know, the crowd is going to be there. The lights are going to be on and the world is going to be watching. So. You know, I'm expecting, you know, you guys can expect for this to be my best performance.
0: Caleb Plant joining us. Dude, I think that's fascinating what you just said, that some guys are just gym fighters and other guys are, quote, prize fighters. And when the lights come on and when the energy's there and the fans are there, they they fight better. I mean, to me, it's like yeah. any great athlete, right? The, the higher the stakes, the bigger the stage. Some guys can just raise up their performance. Do you feel like you're yeah. one of
1: those guys? Absolutely, absolutely. Whether, you know, I fought back home in Tennessee at the Bridgestone Arena. We had thousands of people there. And, um, you know, people pulling me this way for tickets, pulling me for that way for tickets, trying to get a hold of me. There was a lot at stake. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of big fighters go home to their home crowds and and come up short and not be able to perform in front of their their people. And then, you know, fighting Jose Gee with only 17 fights, you know, coming off a year layoff and a broken hand and giving him a tuna fight and me having no tuna fight. Um, but me going there and, and dominating, you know, against a, I was an underdog in that fight as well. So, you know, I've always been able to perform best when, you know, there's a lot at stake and, you know, this, this fight is no different. So.
0: Yeah, this is no different. There is a lot at stake here. Caleb Plant joining us. You know, you made the point also that Alvarez's sparring partner had tested positive for a banned substance. Alvarez himself tested positive in 2018, which, of course, he blamed on tainted beef. What do you make of the tainted beef explanation? And do you think that he's a cheater?
1: um you, you and you said his teammate tested positive right yeah yeah my bad yeah, yeah um yeah i mean he tested positive so i mean there it's not up to me if whether he's a shooter or not i mean he falls in the category of being a cheater he tested positive he was suspended for six months i mean so that's not an allegation nobody has to wonder you know it's simple math so Yeah, I mean, that's cheating, so that qualifies you as a cheater. So when somebody does something... With his teammate testing positive as well, and then there was another fighter in his camp that his coach, um, Eddie Reynoso trained, um, McGeary, who tested positive. So, I mean, there's a lot of suspicion going on in that camp.
0: I see. I see what you're saying. Let me ask you this. When somebody, it's, you know how it is with professional athletes is like, guys will do anything to get an edge. They're so competitive. Do you think that's what that is? Or do you think that if you use a banned substance, you're not necessarily looking for an edge, but maybe you're coming from a place of fear?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, you know, taking banned substances, that comes from a place of insecurity, whether you're, you know, you take a substance that helps you make weight because you're scared you won't make weight, or taking something, you know, you're not being confident in your power, or you're not being confident in your conditioning. And, um... So, I mean, the, the, all that stems from a place of insecurity and fear. So um, I felt like I have never had to, you know, take anything like that for me to be confident in my abilities and my skill. You know, I get my confidence for my preparation. I'm a dedicated athlete. I'm a disciplined athlete. I don't just start training eight weeks before a fight. I do this year-round. I mean, boxing is my whole life. You know what I'm saying? This is not something – it's not a hobby for me or just a job. Boxing is my life. And so I, t- I take this sport real serious. And there's no room for stuff like that in our sport.
0: Much easier to stay in shape than get in shape, I would imagine, right?
2: Mm-hmm, exactly.
0: Kay- Caleb Plant joining us. Caleb, let me be really respectful about this, but you've talked in the past about your daughter Aaliyah, who passed away when she was just twenty months old. What was your time like with her, and then how much does she inspire you to this day?
1: Um, I mean, it was the time with her was you know short and sweet. You know, there was a lot of hard days of us being in the hospital, and you know, there was times she was in the hospital for weeks at a time, and you know, there was one time we got, we finally got to come home after being weeks in the hospital on Christmas Eve, and so that was a good time. But, you know, you know, I don't know. But, you know, she definitely inspires me. And, um, you know, for someone so young and, and so little to go through so much in such a short amount of time, you know, when I'm training, I, I do like to think back to that and think, you know, if she can go through that at that age, then I can push through this last mile or I can push through this last round. And, you know, I can give them all because that's what she did.
0: You know, just so the listeners understand, she dealt with hundreds of seizures a day. You vowed to win a title in her honor, which is exactly what happened. What was that moment like in 2019 when you won that IBF belt and you kept that promise to her?
1: I mean, it was uh, indescribable, really. I mean, just to become a world champion and, you know, plant plant my flag as a world champion against Jose Uscot-D. Um, You know, I was the underdog in that fight as well. And that was a fight that I was coming off a broke hand, a year layoff and no tune-up fight. And this guy had been knocking everybody out. And um, so, you know, there was a lot rotted on that and then me keeping my promise. And uh, so for me to do that, you know, I didn't get to do a whole lot for her as a father, you know, like other dads get to do, maybe take them to prom and see him open up Christmas presents and stuff like that. But I was, you know, I was set on, you know, keeping this promise to her and, and fulfilling that. And That's what I did.
0: Kelly, but I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on her. I'm sorry for your loss. You know, you mentioned that you were an underdog. This is not the first time. I mean, and you'll be a heavy underdog in this fight, as you know. My sense is, though, if you go back over your career, you've been the underdog a lot, and it's never really bothered you. In fact, you've proven people wrong pretty much every single time. Do you actually maybe feel more
1: comfortable as the underdog? Absolutely. I, I like being an underdog position, whether it's, you know, I've been the underdog a few times uh in boxing, it's probably like my third time, but um, I feel like I'm an underdog in life, you know what I'm saying, just coming from where I come from, and you know, they're not really being a boxing community where I'm from, and you know, just starting from the bottom, like a lot of people, starting from the bottom and making my way to this, to this point in my career, I mean, I enjoy being an underdog, I enjoy people rooting against me, and you know, it just gives me a different type of energy, so... It,
0: really quickly, you mentioned that you come from a community where there was not a lot of boxing. The story is your father got you involved in the sport. How did that start, and then what did the sport mean to you and your life overall?
1: Uh, yeah, my dad started me out. I can remember, you know, some of the first techniques he was teaching me in uh, my parents' bedroom, and uh, You know, then him and my grandfather scrounged up a little bit of money to open up a gym, and there was no ring. It was just uh, tape on the floor in the shape of a box, like a ring would be on the floor. And uh, people would stand around it and hold hands, and we would spar in there. And it was just white tile floor. There was no mat, so people would slip and fall and put holes on the wall. And there was just one heavy bag hanging up in the corner, and you couldn't even work all the way around it. It was so close to the corner. But, you know, like I said at the press conference, um couple weeks ago that you know when you really want something and, and and you got passion for it you don't need the fanciest stuff you don't need all the latest stuff and uh, especially starting out and um, boxing has just been you know it's been like a sanctuary to me you know when when things will go bad to be able to get away for a little bit and work out and just focus on my craft and my dream I mean boxing's been there you know for me through ups and downs and you know it's taken me all over the world it's gotten me everything you know that I own and you know Introduced me to my wife. I mean, boxing is like a person to me. I mean, I love boxing with all my heart, and you know, I, I've sacrificed a lot. I've dedicated myself to this sport, and you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have this sport in my life.
0: It's an amazing response. What a great story. Powerful, powerful stuff. I can't let you go without a prediction. How do you think this fight's going to go? How do you see it going?
1: I just see myself get my hand raised, and then now to you know, saying, "And still undefeated, and the new undisputed." super middleweight champion in the world, Caleb Plant. And whatever I have to do, my any means necessary, I'm going to get the job done.
0: Keyword there, undisputed. He's already a, a super middleweight champion. He's got the IBF belt, and this one's coming up on Saturday night, Alvarez v. Plant. The first undisputed super middleweight championship in the four-belt era, live on Showtime. That's Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Caleb, great to have you on the show. I appreciate you very much. Great, for, great conversation, too. Thanks so much for that. Good luck on Saturday.
1: Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you.
0: All right, so probably I should talk some baseball. I mean, after all, the World Series is over. After all, the Atlanta Braves did win it. After all, Atlanta, you can finally chill. Exhale. It's all good. You did not implode. You did not choke again on the big stage. You won something. Even though so many people wanted you to choke And we're waiting on another choke. You did not give the people what they wanted. There was no choking away a 3-1 World Series lead. Tua did not run onto the field and snatch your souls the way he did when he crushed Georgia a couple of years back. And there certainly was no choking from ahead. Coming from ahead to choke away a 28-3 lead on the biggest stage of all. None of that this time around. And if you're looking for the guy who snapped the city's curse and made sure that this team did not add to an entire region's history and legacy of choke jobs, he was standing in the batter's box in the top of the third wearing number 12 and about to hit one of the biggest bombs you will ever see. Roll it. There they
2: go. Pitch on the way. He attacks and smokes one to deep left. This one's going super sonic. That is out of the ballpark. Whoa! Over the train tracks, it's 3-0 Atlanta. And Jorge Soler lands the first punch here on the top of the third inning. You
0: know, sometimes when the opposing pitcher knows, they don't even turn around. How about when the opposing pitcher knows and starts to walk off the, the mound and right into retirement? Like, I quit. There's no coming back from that. Jorge Soler, if you need him, the guy who started the World Series with a leadoff home run, pretty much ended it last night with an even bigger bomb. And sure, I know there were still six more innings left after he hit that shot, but that game was over right then and there. That game was over then and there. That series was over then and there. Because that didn't just put three runs on the board. It put the Astros to sleep. Thanks for coming, fellas. Great season. Jorge, we'll take it from here. It's not just that he hit a home run or a three-run bomb. It's that he did it on a 3-2 count with two outs. Houston was this close to getting out of the inning, and Solaire damn near knocked a satellite or two out of the sky. Big blast on a big stage for a region of the country that is big on choking. It's as if that dude was telling everybody around Georgia and the rest of the country, man, not on my bleeping watch. Not on my bleeping watch. Let me see that again this time. Let me see that again, but this time in Spanish. La tercera, Aliso García, para enfrentar a Soler. Lanzamiento al Pentágono. Batazo de Soler. Profundo por el izquierdo. La pelota.
2: Fuera del estadio. Oh.
0: What an amazing call. I think he held that call that long waiting for the ball to drop. He was going to hold that call until the ball was no longer in the air. That was so cool. That's fun. Hey, Alvin, give it to me in Japanese now. Just kidding. There are no doubt home runs, and then there's that bomb. That ball nearly achieved escape velocity. If that home run was a flight... There would be two meals, lie-flat seats, and passengers taking their ambient and changing into their flight pajamas. Sidebar. Andy. Have you ever taken a flight long enough that they include pajamas? Have you done that? If so, did you change into the pajamas? I don't know. To me, that takes a certain dude. And I'll admit it. I'm not that dude. Then again, I'm not car nap nation guy. I'm not saying that changing into airline PJs is not a power move. It is. I'm just saying I don't have it in me. I'm like that idiot that's just rocking the jeans for 19 hours. I, I mean, I wish I were that guy. I really do, but I'm not. I got a buddy who is that guy. I got a buddy. He once told me this story, and I don't know how he got the pajamas. I don't know if he packed them because I don't think they put him on this flight. He's a good buddy of mine. Really smart guy. Really great guy. No names mentioned. Tremendous personality. He got into the airline pajamas on a flight from L.A. to Lexington, Kentucky. That's just not far, far enough, dude. One of my favorite guys. I love this guy. That takes some balls, man. Nobody's... I mean, it's one thing to take your shoes off during a flight. But if you're putting on the airline PJs from a flight from L.A. to Lex Vegas, man. That's a big swing. Anyway, I digress. The reactions to that shot were incredible. There was Soler throwing his bat down and turning back to the dugout. And then there was Dusty Baker in the Astros dugout looking really pissed off. And I get it. Everybody is when they get kicked in the package. Have you ever been kicked in the junk? Pisses you off, right? It's exactly why that old man was so upset. He had just gotten kicked in the junk. And that's the last thing. That is the last thing that they could afford to have happen to them in that game at that part, at that point. If you're going through a list of possible outcomes for the Astros, on a 3-2 count with runners on first and second, the very worst outcome involved putting one on a tee for a dude who had already murdered a couple earlier in the series. And that's exactly what Luis Garcia did. And Jorge Soler did what he does to those pitches. He destroyed it. So there is your World Series MVP right there. Three home runs in the series. All three home runs were go-ahead home runs. So that's clutch as hell. The irony of all ironies. Did you ever expect me to say this about the Braves? That they're clutch. Or really any team in Atlanta. That they're clutch. But this Atlanta Braves team is clutch as hell. The fact that they're the World Series champs and the team to break the ATL's championship drought is crazy as hell. But it's been said before and I'll say it again. This team won the World Series without their best player. They lost Ronald Acuna Jr. in early July. Remember, this was a 500 team at that point. They actually fell below 500. They didn't get back over 500 until August. And yet somehow they're the World Series champs. And it's not like Ron was the only guy they were without. Mike Soroka, their all-star, also down in June. Charlie Morton with that busted stick in game one. Yet they still find a way to finish. Like, I personally have never believed in sports curses. But when you lose two all-stars, two injury in the middle of the season, and then your horse takes a liner off his leg and breaks it. And you already have a history of choking and bad things happening. You know, it almost has me believing in sports curses. But then it turns out that team's not cursed. That was the curse buster right there. Man, they rebuilt that thing on the fly. They rebuilt that airplane at 35,000 feet. They brought in guys like Solaire, Eddie Rosario, Dodger Killer Adam Duvall, and Jock Peterson. All incredible additions, all clutches, hell, all different dudes. I mean, when you've got jock out there rocking pearls during games for no reason other than he's just quote, a bad bitch, end quote, he ain't playing Hey jock, <laughs> dude, I don't even know where to start with the pearls like jock. It worked. You got me to look at you. In fact, I can't stop looking at you. I am mesmerized by that look. The pearls, the pearls might be the greatest look ever on a ball player. One of one. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Not only have I never seen anything like it, how did you even get that in your head? Like, I'm going to go out there with pearls. I mean, one thing to rock the pearls. It'd be one thing if that guy were rocking pearls in a club. That'd be incredible in and of itself. But he's not in a club. He's on the field. And it's not even in batting practice. He's on the field in a game. And not even in a game, but in a World Series clinching game. And is just squaring bleep up. Just raking. Incredible. And the only thing better than coming up with that, doing it, and showing up on the big stage and winning is the explanation for it. Dude. Why are you rocking pearls? Quote, because I'm a bad bitch. You are, dude. You are. You are a bad, bad bitch. Pretty much the worst bitch ever. Because those pearls might be the best look ever. That's how an 88-team win or team wins a World Series. With guys like Solaire styling bombs and Jock styling pearls. And then you got Freddie Freeman icing the Astros. With this shot. 1-1 one, one pitch. This is struck well to deep center field. Sprinting back as Siri Spins around. That one is gone. And right on cue. Freddie Freeman with his fifth home run this postseason. So what I'm saying is... Jock is a bad bitch. And the Braves are just badass. An 88-win team. Nothing fluky about that world championship. They didn't back into anything. They didn't blink in the World Series. Even if the entire world outside of the ATL was waiting for them to choke, they didn't do it. Even if every non-Braves fan in the world wanted them to, they didn't do it. Why? Because these dudes are different, they're built for it, and most of all, you got a whole team of bad bitches, not just jock. Well done. Enjoy that ATL, you earned it. I'm not gonna lie, I try to come at this thing with the same energy every single day. Every day I'm pumped, every day I'm hyped. Not every day goes well, but every day I'm pumped. If you notice that when this segment comes around, I've got a little more juice. It's because when this segment comes around, I have a little more juice. I love it. I love your beefs. Normally, I want to keep it upbeat and positive, but there's something about it, man. Once a week, I like to get down like this. If you've got a beef with anybody or anything, bring it to me right now. We do it once a week. Brought to you by these guys. Greatest beef jerky ever. And the reason it's locked, if this thing were not locked, Ike would be going ham on it. Mm. Ham on the beef. All right, let's start first with the social. One phone line's open. You can actually get through the beef on the phones. 1-800-636-8686. Jim, my beef is with the packages I get that are glued, stapled, and taped so secure that it takes two hours to pry, scissor, and beat them open. By the time I get them open, my neighbors have called the police because I'm screaming at the friggin' box and sender, and they think that I'm murdering my spouse. Thank you, Greg. It's not bad. Pretty good start. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Quote, My beef is with my wife of 27 years. We have a discussion. Discussion over, and I'm walking away when she mutters something under her breath. I say, what's that, baby? She denies saying anything. Roamster, this little game of hers is a win for her every time. I know she's saying something like, you bleeping idiot, or something related. What can I do, Van Smack? Jim in Tucson, Arizona. Jim, I could give you an answer, but it's too involved. I got to keep moving. I gotta keep moving. Jim, I have a beef. I have a beef with people who pick their nose while driving then devour it. These D-bags act like there aren't literally hundreds of people on the road to witness this heinous act. Get a tissue and some sanitizer, you bags. Stop acting like a five-year-old in kindergarten. Steven in Sacktown. You know... Jamming your digit up your nostril is bad enough. It's one thing. But what I've never, ever understood is the consumption that goes along with that. Why are you eating that? I've never... Anyway. Mm. Tan Smack. I've got a beef with a guy that lives down the street. Every time I wash or wax my car, he pulls into the driveway and yells out, Hey, am I next? 10,000 out-of-work clowns, and I get that. No bag, you aren't. Tell Junior in the car with you to put down the big gulp and do it for you. Jim and Hastings. That's how I came up too, man. Another one of the gigs I loved doing for my old man back in the day. Shoveling dog crap every weekend. Washing his car. Helping him fix fences. So true, man. They don't do it the way they used to. Man, when I grew up in Los Angeles, and I used to walk in the snow eight miles to school every day. Hey, Rome, my beef is with people who speed up after you turn your blinker on. Hey, Danica, I'm trying to merge. This isn't roller derby. Next time, I'm sending you into the rail. JR on Oceanside. Man, smack. I have beef with grown-ass adults who tell me it's their birthday. If I care about you, I would know these things already. So take your party hats, take your confetti, and your kazoos to somebody who gives a damn. Thanks. Mark, in parts unknown. Jimbo. I have beef with baby on board stickers. Let me just stop right there. Do you remember back in the day when that was the biggest thing ever? Alvin, you know this. You more than anybody. It used to be back in the day, years and years and years ago, whoever came up with that thing, Baby On Board, must have made a freaking fortune. Every car that had a Baby On Board had one of those things. And then fortunately they went away for a long time. But they are making a comeback. I know what you're saying. Jimbo, I have a beef with Baby On Board stickers. I'm not sure if these tramps are bragging about their mating habits or if they sincerely are paranoid that some stranger is out to randomly massacre their offspring. But let me tell you what. No one is Boosh in Maine. War meeting clones on my delivery route. War fake silk. Nice job, Boosh. Jimmo's. My beef is with having to do the re challenge. When trying to access my favorite porn site. I'm not a robot. Why would a robot want to watch porn? Brent and PC. Good job, Brent. My issue is not with the recaps. It's with the recaps that is indecipherable. The one that you got to put in like five times. Like, dude, who can read that? She's back. Romy's my homie. Jimmers. <laughs> I got beef... With long torso, guy slash gal. You human wiener dogs need to take your weird little arms, legs, and low hanging turd cutters and get out of my face. I mean, come on, Jim. Abigail in San Diego, unwar fatties, fatties. with long arms and high riding mud flaps. Abigail, you're harsh, yo. You're tough, yo. She probably sent that from the gym. My beef. Moving the chains. It's 2021. We have the technology to put sensors in the ball, and we still have chains and sticks. Am I the only one who sees how stupid these chains are? Does anybody else realize the starting point of the chain is just as relevant as the ending point? Earnestly Ernesto Z in the North Williamette Valley, Oregon. Dude, I've tweeted about that. I've never understood that. I can't believe that major game-changing decisions are made by a couple of dudes running out onto the field with a couple of sticks attached by a 10-foot chain or a 10-yard chain, I should say. I've I've never understood that, ever. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is with friends, using their dirty-ass feet to hold the door open of my luxury sled when getting out. Bella B. War lady clone. Bella, what are you rolling in? Nice flex, though, B. What are you rolling in, Bella? What kind of luxury sled? You know I'm a car guy. I like that. Hi, Romy. My beef is with construction sites and areas that back up traffic for miles. But when you pass that site every day for weeks and never see anyone working, weeks with no workers, clean it up. We're driving while sober. Matt in the SRQ. Romy, my beef is with us not being able to cheat anymore. And now we lose every World Series we play in. Signed, the Houston Asterisks. Demacio in Albuquerque. Romy, I got beef with you, having beef with toilet beef. Regards, the dude unleashing hell in the airport bathroom stall in between flights. Geoff, what did I say about that? That that didn't make it better, Geoff, that's not funny. You saying somebody's unleashing hell in an airport bathroom stall is not amusing, Geoff. But then again, none, none of your crap is. All eight hundred six 636 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Henrik in Portland. Henrik, what's your beef?
2: All right, Rom. Um, so my girlfriend went to a neck pain specialist, and my beef is with this pain specialist because instead of hitting her with some ibuprofen 800s, she, she suggested breast reduction surgery. <laughs> This is for real. N- not- <laughs> what? <laughs> Henrik.
0: <laughs> oh, man. All right. That's his beef. He didn't hit her with ibuprofen. He hit her with a suggestion of breast reduction. So get a second opinion, Henrik. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to San Jose. Josh. Hey, Josh, what's your beef?
2: Romy. Yeah, breast reduction is disrespectful to God. Uh, best segment ever. My beef is simply about beef: Australian wagyu, Snake River Farms wagyu, Japanese A5 wagyu. Do we really need cows massage for ten hours a day and fed beer so us fat Americans can get fat eating their fat? Whatever happens, to this good old rancher deserves.
0: My man, thanks, Josh. That's actually pretty funny. His beef is with Wagyu beef. Why do we have to massage the cows 10 hours a day? You know why? Because you can charge $125 a pound. That's Wagyu. I've had it. Logan and one of his boys made it for me. And I've got it at restaurants. It's a different deal. Wagyu is a different life. Very rich. All right, back to the phones. Let's go to Denver. Jessica in Denver. Jessica, what is your beef?
2: Hi, I work in retail, and every time an item doesn't scan and the customer goes, oh, it must be free then.
0: (laughs) Jessica, nice job. Well done. She she gets it. You come in with a beef. That's part of her job. Yeah, I bet that does get old. And that's not funny. That would piss me off, too. And she got in, she got out. Nice job. Let's go to Pennsylvania, Phil. Good to have you, Phil. What's your beef? Hey, Jim.
2: There's no place like Rome. How you doing? Good, dude. You? Good. My, my beef is with budget rent-a-car. Last week, I returned the car three-quarters full. They charged me 50 bucks to top it off. I'm completely pissed off by that. And a shout-out to Alvy, the decapitator cockroaches. Kill them all.
0: I'm out. My man. You know what my beef is? My beef is car rental companies, hotels, that they look at you and they they look down at your information and then they look you in the eye and go, oh, sir, nice to see you. Would you like an upgrade? And my beef is that I'm not stupid or smart enough to ask them if they're giving me an upgrade because of mileage or they like me or if they're jamming me for an increased room rate that is not vacant or vacant. Or is vacant. I've gotten burned lately a couple times on that because I thought that literally it was because of the credit card I carry or my mileage or like even worse, incredibly ignorant of me to think they like me. I've been jammed so hard. Bleep you. That's my beef. All right, let's go to, I like to insert my own beef once in a while. John in Philly, my man. John, what's your beef?
2: What's up, Jim? How are you?
0: Good, dude. How are you?
2: Oh, glorious. Another glorious day on the East Coast. Man, you bring up your dad, and it just brings me back to my childhood. And let me tell you, he taught me how to drive, Jim, and uh, gave me all kinds of grief on how safe I needed to be and can't be breaking the laws. He won a Stanley Cup ring back in the 70s. And the cop says as he pulls him over, let me see your driver's license. He pulls out the driver's license, starts flashing this ring around, the cop wants to take a selfie with the ring. I'm sitting there going, you got to be kidding me. And now he gets off with a warning. I'm out.
0: Dude, who's your dad? Bobby Clark? That, let me tell you about dads and their kids. Brian Scalbrini tells an amazing story about the lessons and messages that he is teaching his son and then how it plays out in the real world. You want to listen for that on today's podcast. So John and Phil is like talking about, my dad's always talking about accountability, do that, do that, be safe. And then he gets pulled over and breaks out his quote Stanley Cup ring and then he skates. Good night.